Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you're joining us now for a conversation about the various things that made us genre fiction fans for life, whether it be books, movies, shows, games, whatever it was that sparked that love of other worlds, of the truth within the lie. I think this is a valuable episode for people not just wanting to get to know us, but also for those wanting to get into fantasy who are overwhelmed. So many choices. What do I read? And they end up picking something like Malazan, and then they never come back to fantasy because they were not ready to make a souffle and should have started with mac and cheese. I totally agree. I love that analogy. And I love macaroni and cheese. (laughs) I still can't make a souffle. (laughs) Neither can I. Chad, what was the first book you just could not put down? The Hobbit. And it wasn't my first book that I ever read by any means, but it was definitely my first dive into true fantasy. And what do you think you took away from reading The Hobbit that you might not have gotten out of other stuff that you had read? You know, as a young kid, it taught me how to overcome fear. That bravery is not about not feeling the fear, but it's actually about feeling that fear and then being able to overcome it, not being consumed by it. Uh, And there's so much, especially at that age, that we don't understand, we're uncertain about. And the ability to do things in the face of that fear and uncertainty has aided me to this day. Uh, You know, the other big takeaway that I think really resonated with me is the value of others when doing something. I've always had this tendency to do things on my own and think I'm capable enough to forge the trail without outside help. And sometimes only through friendship and ultimately trust can a goal be accomplished. And that stuck with me forever. And I still use it to this day when trying to do something. It's a really, really excellent lesson. There's a quote that I always remember from The Hobbit, and I think it's when Bilbo is going into Smog's lair, and he says, go back? No. Go sideways? Impossible. Go forward? Only thing to do. And it's just that really cool moment of him just by himself. Like, the dwarves aren't there to see what he's doing. Gandalf isn't there. It's just Bilbo by himself in the mountain, and there's a dragon on a pile of gold right there. And I think it's also such a great book for kids because it's such an easy concept to grasp, even if the language can be kind of dense. You know, the dwarves need Bilbo to help them get their home back because there's a dragon that's taken over their home. There's so much movement in that story. There's a clear, defined goal, and it's so easy to latch onto as even as a kid. I agree. Every D&D character that I've ever had, I've put a little bit of Bilbo into, kind of that moral thief. Uh, do you remember reading anything else around that specific age? Um, yes. Okay, so another book that I really re- latched onto super hard, read a bunch of them, was Redwall. Yes. Did you ever read those? Of course, but maybe not as many as you. I think I read Redwall, uh, Martin the Warrior, Pearls of Lutra, Salamandastron. Oh, oh, I read The Bellmaker. I didn't know when I was a kid that the books had some a little bit of a chronology to them. And, and it's like a slight reading order. So I just grabbed whichever cover looked the coolest. Of course, I still do that. What, what was your favorite race? I mean, personally, the mice. Just, I think maybe <laughs> it's because I spent the most time with the mice. The badgers were really cool. The hares were my favorite. They were just fun. One thing that I don't really like very much about that series is that while Brian Jocks is such an amazing author and really brought that whole world to life, he might have brought it a little too much to life sometimes. (laughs) Like when the moles are talking and they've got like those like Cockney garbage man accents, right? Where they're just like, oh, I get out of my mouth. Like he writes out the accent. 
<laughs> so it's like you're kind of <laughs> moving along. And I know that some authors do write out the accent, but he does it very, very specifically. And it kind of takes you out of the momentum of reading the books. And I even remember as a kid just saying, I don't think I need this. I think I can picture the accent well enough in my head. Yeah, too many O's next to I's. <laughs> but no, I, to I totally agree. There, there's so much warm, fuzzy nostalgia when I think about those books. And every author has their like the thing they rock at. And Brian Jacques writes food better than any other author I've ever read. And I just they're like the coziest books. They're like a, a warm cup of cocoa on a winter's night. I don't know why, but I feel like most of those books, the plot line is essentially they, they need to go rescue somebody. Almost always. <laughs> and there's always the big bad, right? It's it's some rodent with an eye patch or it's like a, a fox. The first scene that the fox is in, he just murders all of his stoats. Rodent with eye patch. I love that. You're so right, though. Like Literally, yes. But that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Okay, what was the first book you remember just kind of taking over your life? Definitely Sorcerer's Stone. And how old were you? Maybe like nine, eight or nine, something like that. But I had read some other things, obviously, and I had had things read to me. You know, Where the Wild Things Are, Dr. Seuss, Shel Silverstein. But Sorcerer's Stone was the first book that I was absolutely obsessed with. I mean, I carried that book around everywhere. The first time I read it, I was on a trip with my parents and my nose was in that book the entire time. And I lost it. I think we were at like a hotel or something. I think that was the first actual panic attack that I'd ever had in my life. And I was going up to random strangers at this hotel just saying, there's a book and it says Harry Potter at the top in gold letters. And there's a picture of a boy with glasses on a broomstick, <laughs> like trying to describe this book to people. And obviously I eventually found it. But my parents, um, I think they knew that, that, that I liked reading, but that must have been a different experience for them to see me. Just I wasn't paying attention to anything on that trip, just staring at that book. If there was any book that equates with that warm, fuzzy feeling of The Hobbit, it's got to be Harry Potter. I had to hide those books from my mom. And that just kind of gave me this deep connection. Like I was the same age as Harry and it gave me this real emotional attachment as I had to hide under the covers late at night, uh, under my own stairs cupboard of sorts. So I fully agree with that sentiment. What was it about Harry Potter that really hooked you? It was how transportive it was. Like I wasn't just sitting in the back of my parents' car reading a book. And I'm sure to them, that's what it seemed like. But for me, it was so easy to slip into this situation and imagine myself in Harry's shoes. And Harry, and by extension, the reader is told, hey, not only are you famous, but magic is real. And not only is magic real, you're going to learn it. And there's this huge exclusivity to the whole thing. Like the fact that they had to keep all of this a secret from the muggles is so alluring as a kid. It's like you're in on the joke. And you pair that with the mystery that was being woven even from the first chapter. And I was completely sucked in. The world building is outstanding. The amount of detail and specificity in the short amount of time that you're reading it man as a young kid i just every kid wants to learn that they have some sort of magical ability that they weren't aware of like that would be the best day just like getting that envelope from an owl or pouring down through the fireplace it was so magical i is there any other book series that gives you that warm blanket feel of, of fond memories and nostalgic lesson learning 
I'd say probably The Lost Years of Merlin by T.A. Barron. Yes, dude, I'm so excited you said those. I literally didn't remember the name of those books before this episode. And I, this is what I Googled. Boy goes blind from tree he lit on fire with magic and has bird pet. That's what I Googled before this episode. And I was able to find it actually on like some Reddit forum or something. They're really excellent. I remember being at the bookstore with my mom and I had just devoured the first three Harry Potter books. And I think she had caught on by then and really knew this is the kind of stuff I wanted to read. And I still have the first book in the Lost Years of Merlin series. And it is so torn up because I brought it everywhere. It's just like with Harry Potter. And it was $2.99. They were running some kind of Barnes and Noble special. And it said on the back cover, fans of Harry Potter, put down Harry Potter and pick up Merlin. I don't. I would say I, w- I probably wasn't at that age as engrossed in it as I was in Harry Potter at first, but it was still such an incredible series, especially at my age. That is such a clutch mom move. And this is why we're best friends. What what was it that drew you into those books after coming down from that Harry Potter high thinking I'll never enjoy another book as much as I've enjoyed these ones? We're all chasing that Harry Potter high. <laughs> Always. Uh, it was definitely more dense, I guess, than Harry Potter, but still that same idea of that one main character you can latch on to. I think what really had me reading all five of those books and really sticking with it was that it was my first experience with an actual alternate world. Like Harry Potter is still in our world. You're transported to a whole different set of rules. Would that be high fantasy? uh, I suppose. Yeah, I guess you could call it that. Yeah, because it is this whole other alternate world. Look at me learning my (laughs) subgenres. You know exactly. Yeah, the world building was really excellent and it was full of its own creatures and politics and history. And at the time, it felt really deep. It felt actually in some ways a lot more deep than the world building that I had read in Harry Potter. And it was my first experience with first person. I'm pretty sure, though, that I skipped every single prologue at the beginning of those books because (laughs) it was italicized And there were a bunch of names in the prologues that I didn't understand. They weren't in the book that I had just read. Or I thought, maybe this is like a sample of a different book, (laughs) like they put at the end of books or something. And so my whole first read through, I didn't read any of the prologues. And it probably would have been better (laughs) if I had. But now I've learned that in fantasy books, a lot of the time, there will be a prologue at the beginning of that book. But I have since read them all again as an adult, and they totally hold up. Really great writing, an excellent story. I'm very pleased to hear you say that because after I Googled them and went down, you took me down this trip of memory lane uh, by figuring out the names of those books. I'm so stoked that you mentioned those. This is why we're best friends, Evan. Do you have them? I do. I have all five of them. Ah, I'm okay. I'm going to borrow them from you. Chad, if you want to drive up to Portland, you can borrow any book you want. Okay, I will borrow them from you. I'm actually kind of terrified to because of your book thing, right? Like you don't bend thing. your, yeah, you don't, you're so like <laughs> gentle with your books. And my books, I like, they come with me everywhere in my car and they just get kind of raggedy by the time I'm done with them. And you don't even open them up to like crease the spine. Nope. And that's crazy to me. I mean, I take my books everywhere too, Chad. I just, I don't manhandle them. I'm just a clumsy oaf, Evan, and I'm scared to take your books. They're not going to come back. and Maybe I'll just buy them. Also, I have a bad habit with books where if I find something, I don't think it's a bad habit. It's my habit with books where if I find something insightful or like a phrase or, or line that I really like, I'll bend the corner. 
of that book. So later when I pull a book randomly off my bookshelf, I can look through and see all these little bent corners and just like see all these cool like one-liners or insightful thoughts or things that I'm like, oh, I want to incorporate that in my own life. You know that you can just use tabs, right? They have colored tabs. They're like a dollar. I never am that prepared. So what book or books do you think contributed most to your like specific tastes as a fantasy reader now? Okay, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Drist books. Icewind Dale trilogy, then the Dark Elf trilogy, and then the four after, I think called The Legacy of the Drow. There's a whole lot after that, which you can read. Some of them are good, some of them are eh. But those ones specifically, I just reread them a few months ago and I loved every page. Totally withstood the test of time, which some things don't. So I'm really glad that it did. Um, I did stop before I reached the spine of the world as that book... By the time you get there, let's just say the orange has been sufficiently juiced and it's fine to just stop and move on with your life. Those, what is that, 10 books is enough. But but as a kid, they taught me about friendship, loyalty, finding joys in the hard times and struggles in life and forgiving my friends when they made bad decisions. You know, it's all based around this like party. I mean, the Dark Elf trilogy is about Drist growing up which is why I would recommend reading them in that order. Read the Icewind Dale trilogy so you can read about the party. When I think about like a party or a fellowship, I think about Brunor, Wolfgar, Dritzt, Katie Bree going on adventures together. Oh, and Regis, the halfling, of course, he's like the weakest, you know, but he fits even in his own way. And it's just, I love the dynamic created by that party and how they work together. Some make mistakes, some forgive each other. You know, it's also one of the first romances that I ever read. And certainly they are not romantic novels, but Wolfgar and Katie Bree, they're a good example for a kid growing up because Wolfgar was stuck in the friend zone for a lot of those books. And sometimes that's a good thing, you know, like friendship And real trust is really what those relationships should be built off of. So maybe it was just my young self, you know, justifying my my lack of being able to make the move. But uh, I liked that as an example for how to build a romance. Another thing was, was kind of my first look at a bad guy who remains one of my favorite antagonists. And still to this day, most most books you read, the bad guy is just bad. You know, Sauron, bad. In this book, you get to read chapters from his perspective. And that was the first time that I really got to do that. You get to learn his motivations, some of the reasons why he does what he does. And that made me relate to him and understand maybe a little bit of the darkness within each one of us and, and why, how people can justify doing the things that they do that we all think is evil. It was really the dichotomy between him and Dritzt and how each one was different sides of the same coin. It just kind of allowed me to see a different perspective that I think has made me more empathetic and understanding of people that sometimes might just be labeled as just all evil. Nope, that guy's bad. And it's like, well, does he think so? Like, what are the choices that led him to that place in his life? Uh, and finally, I know I'm ranting at this point. Holy shit, dude. Sorry. And finally, <laughs> I know... And finally, I'm sorry, I know I'm talking a lot about them, but there's a lot of books and I just, they consumed a large portion of my my childhood brain. But if there was someone out there who was like, what, I've never read a fantasy book before, what should I read first? I think I would recommend even now uh, those books, just because they have everything. They got dragon, swordsman, evil creatures, benevolent races, malicious races, landscapes, demons, wizards, pantheons, magic, magic items, sentience, so it's got everything. And I would think that that would be an excellent vehicle 
to take someone down the uh, fantasy highway, so to speak. Yeah, those are some really, really fun, really excellent books. I only read Icewind Dale, come to think of it. I never read the Dark Elf trilogy or what was the other one that came after that? It was The Legacy of the Drow. Legacy of the Drow. Cool. Yeah, because I remember reading Icewind Dale and thinking, wow, Drist is so much more complicated than this series needed him to be. And I loved it. it. They're like a really good, solid action movie with a very relatable and well-fleshed-out main character. Totally. Which is kind of rare sometimes in action movies because you don't necessarily need it because so many things are flying around because it's so wild. But I do remember really enjoying those. And I like Wolfgar a lot. Brunor was, you know, whatever. The dwarf. <laughs> Classic. And I feel like the Dritz books in general just aren't really brought up very much in fantasy conversations, which is a shame because R.A. Salvatore has contributed so much to contemporary fantasy. He drew from those influences, the the Tolkien's and the Terry Brooks and the uh, Ursula Le Guin's and all of those kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all those kinds of things, and then made them into those 90s action movies. I feel Mm -hmm. like maybe he had seen a lot of the 80s action movies, you know, like the Bruce Willis movies, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, and then applied a lot of those beats to these fantasy books. And he's a hell of a writer too. He really is. I will say in reading them, my adult self recognized certain things that I was like, little eye rolling, like Dritz skitters everywhere. He's kind of skitters. skittering around, you know? <laughs> He's kind of a skittery. He's a skittery dude. I really enjoyed those books. They'll forever have a, a very, very big place in my heart. I do remember reading those three books, at least, and liking the chapters from the antagonist's point of view, the enemy, uh, when you're in the tent with the, the barbarians or whatever they're called, and and then it switches back to Dritz or Regis. Those are really neat. Your introduction to Wolf, maybe not the introduction, but within the first little bit of Wolfgar, he literally grabs a man and crushes his skull with his bare hand. It's like so <laughs> fantasy. It reads like a D&D game. I don't know this for sure, but I think my suspicion has always, maybe I should do some research, um, but my suspicion has always been that that began as a D&D game because it just reads like one. Like you could totally see someone playing that out. Whenever I've DM'd and I always ask my players if they've read those books and if they haven't, I'm stoked because I'm like, perfect. You won't know that I'm stealing everything from Salvatore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so after me monologuing about Dritzt and how much I just so love him, was there anything around that age that was not a book that contributed to your love of fantasy? Probably all the Zelda games. Mm. Ocarina of Time, Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons. I mean, those games are quintessential fantasy for me. Cornerstones. Absolutely. And it's a great way to experience the genre through a different, some would argue, even more interactive medium. Like, I was the hero of time in those games. And it's not just words. You've got this whole world to explore with a controller. You're seeing everything. The music is amazing. You know, the story for the Zelda games is pretty bare bones and... What I mean, you're you're rescuing a princess. It's not the deepest thing ever, but just a lot of those motifs, you know, of just uh, you know, courage triumphing over evil. You know, you're, you've seen that a million times, but to actually do it at the age of you know eight or nine or whatever, I think for a couple of years there, it was just Harry Potter and Zelda, and <laughs> I was perfectly content to not branch out into anything else. I'll never forget 
running, getting Epona and running that race and that guy's stupid field like 40 times trying to beat him <laughs> and then breaking jars so I can get rupees. Man, I love those games so much. And I think that there's something to be said about the nature of progression in video games as it relates to main characters that you're reading in genre fiction. You always want to see a proactive main character. You always want to see someone that's brought down low and then through a certain series of trials can progress to the point of victory. That's basically what a good video game is. And applying that same route and reading it through a book is a similar experience, but they're different in a lot of key ways. But you can do all of it. Yeah, it's different to be the controller than to read along. And sometimes the lessons are a little more like visceral and real. I mean, it, maybe it wasn't tropey at the time by any means, but you know, he starts off as a kid from a village. And by the end of the game, you're like this big badass adult. Like you literally have a forward time adult coming of age and then you get the bigger sword and man i know that you're not really prepared but was there anything like that for you as a kid that you know wasn't really a book but it was fantasy and drew you into the genre even more and, and then as a consequence had you reading more fantasy books not as a i mean zelda obviously but not as like a game or a book but i do recall after reading the hobbit my buddy that i was really good friends with we would play D&D without we didn't know what D&D was but we just kind of invented the game we had no dice it was purely words one person was like the DM and the other person we could do it over the phone and that person would be the the architect and lead you along this path you know and when I look back and as I read fantasy novels I realized that my friend Tristan was pulling from so many different books that he read to like create this story and we would spend hours on the phone just talking out stories that is so cool and going on microsoft paint and like building worlds and stuff and inventing new creatures and we would like dress up sometimes and play out these games and i would like be on my knees for hours because i always like weaved a little bit of bilbo in there so i was like being the short yet lithe and skillful thief swordsman you know you had a much more active imagination than i did i always had to have something in my hands yeah, that's probably why I was just friend-zoned <laughs> for most of my childhood. They're like, wow. Nah, you were cool. They didn't know how cool you were. I love being a nerd. I wouldn't have it any other way. Me neither. I remember very uh, distinctly the time that I was like, you know, you're in high school. He's like, oh, I want to be like all the cool kids. And then I realized one day, like, the cool kids don't want another cool kid. They want someone who's different. So I was like, I'm just going to be me. And that's gotten me pretty far. And I've just been doing that ever since. And it's worked out pretty all right for me. And that's what all of our proactive, awesome main characters and books do. And, you know, sometimes they die horribly at the end. <laughs> but honorably. But not very often. Usually, no. usually it all works out for them. Yeah. They throw the ring into the molten lava mountain and, you know, it all works out. I think that's going to about wrap it up for us today. I feel like we could probably talk about all the things in our childhood that we loved for hours and hours, but I think that's a good spot to end it. I agree. Uh, Evan, great podcast episode idea. Thank you so much for taking me down memory lane. And thank you, everyone, for listening, your time and attention. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to our Patreon linked in the description below. We love having these kinds of conversations and we'd love to continue bringing them to you. Thanks, everybody. 